What's up, you guys? <laughs> that's Tristan's opening. If you guys follow Tristan on TikTok, you know that's his catchphrase. That's how you know you're about to hear some tea. What is up, you guys? Welcome back to my channel. <laughs> and Tristan, how about you tell the listeners about what happened to oh, you this week? Oh my god. You know what? <laughs> Just before you hit record, I was thinking about this and I thought, I gotta check the FedEx tracking number because listen to this, you guys. If you, you don't already it. know, I feel like most of our most of our listeners, most of our friends already know. But okay. Where to begin? couple days ago Sunday I just like I had this calling to make a TikTok video like just talking to the camera and I usually never ever do this but I was I don't even know what reminded me of it but I made this little video where I pretty much and it was tongue-in-cheek like I was just being kind of you know silly but I was saying how like when brands especially big brands send out these like luxurious PR packages to all these influencers and I'm talking like not major influencers or major celebrities mm -hmm. like they're sending them to D-list level celebrity lo I mean Toronto local influencers look we don't want to say her name but we have it out for this one <laughs> and she was on the list so. oh I'm, I'm sure she was yeah. but right I was saying and I was like it makes me not want to buy from the brand because I'm like what I'm gonna be the sucker that pays for it everyone else is getting it for free and posting about it because they got it for free and you think I'm gonna go to the store and pay for it no they're not famous and I'm not famous either so this was pretty much what Tristan was saying in the TikTok in the TikTok right <laughs> and I specifically gave an example and I even said I was like look I love Kiehl's but recently everyone on my timeline received this gorgeous box from Kiehl's and it had like three of the full-size moisturizers three of the full-size serums like everything you could ever want right and I was like, I am, I even said in the TikTok, I was like, look, I'm jealous. Like I want this kit, but like, I'm not going to go out and pay for it now since everyone else got it for free and is pretending like, like they're all doing these videos. Like here's my, here's my routine. It's like, you just got that in the mail yesterday. You don't have a routine yet. Right. Anyway, so I made this funny video and it was nice. It was like lighthearted, but I was just kidding. Next thing you know, I'm getting chewed up in the comments. This yeah. guy even like make, <laughs> people are like, ah, oh, this is you know, this is a lot. If you if you really were passionate about content creation and wanted PR boxes, you'd put a little more effort into your content. I'm like, honey, it was a joke. Like I was just literally just like I was kidding. I was ju just saying I want this PR box, right? And this guy makes a response video to me being like, no hate to this creator, but he is just jealous. And if he wants to like all this stuff, right? So I commented on his. I was like, look, thanks for the free promo. With your help, I'm sure I will get this PR box in no time. Just kidding, right? I come home from the gym last night to a DM from Kiehl's, a comment from Kiehl's being like, <laughs> send us your address. We will send you the box. So let me just say the squeaky wheel gets the grease. <laughs> and if I am no influencer. I have no intentions to become an influencer. But if I can influence you guys to do anything, it is to ask for what you want and make some noise when you have to because it pays off and to my haters in the comments i will say clearly i am capable of producing the content and getting the pr box because wow. it is currently on its way and they even gave me the fedex tracking number so i will check that as soon as i get home 
Good job, Tristan. And I'm so excited. And Kiehl's, I love you. Look, I am like a longtime Kiehl's user. Like I, I use the Ultra Facial clean, uh, Cream. I use the Calendula Cleanser. Like that Same. is my vibe, you know? So I'm not lying about that, but we love Kiehl's. That Kiehl's. was very inspirational. And that is a really good business practice for them. Because look, I'm giving them free promo right what now. What do I always tell you? Make more talking to the camera comment on your TikTok. You got to go I personal. Know. You got to go. You know, this is a good yeah. sign from the universe. And it did inspire me where I'm like, look, I just got to be silly. I got to be my kooky, crazy self. The way that I am on here on TikTok. Kiehl's was begging to send you stuff. They were you didn't begging. have to do anything. <laughs> okay. God, I would love some Kiehl's PR, but I'm just not ready to be a public facing person. Yet. That's why I haven't told anyone in my life about this podcast. But yeah. thank you to the Ones, Fair enough. The ones who know. Well, you, you know, know. <laughs> I feel like if we, listen, Holly and I were checking the numbers. We were crunching the numbers before we started yeah. recording today. And I, you know, I'm not going to get into specifics, but our podcast has extended beyond our friend group. We do have a little bit of a listener base. I growing. mean, hun- hundreds. hundreds well, we're in the hundreds, are. people. And we're talking multiple hundreds. The okay? high hundreds. The high hundreds. And I don't even know that many so. people. So, okay. <laughs> Moving on. Well, my point was, if we really started promoting this, we'd hit the big time. Yeah, so you guys can help us out. But um, I think we're like a cult brand yeah. right now. We're, we're, we're a bit of a cult guy. What's it called? Working on our craft? Practice, perfecting the craft? We're perfecting the craft before yes. we go public. So, okay, we uh, have been a bit less regular with our episode drops, which is fine. We're not on a network. We don't have a contract. That's okay, but that means that there's a lot of pop culture news to catch up on. So we're going to be here for like two hours today, and we'll also be talking about Brooke Shields. So buckle in for that. Get comfortable. Okay, I have my list. You have your list. Who want? I can start first. Start us off, start yeah. Okay. My first one. This has been keeping me up. This has been keeping me awake. Keep me up at, at night. night. Okay. I don't know. I couldn't, I couldn't spit that out. Kylie Jenner and Timothy Chalamet. <sighs> Who wow. could have seen this coming? Like, I just feel like, have you guys seen all the memes where it's like, um, the little chicken Timothy foot. wearing a t-shirt that, okay, the chicken yeah. foot in the bathtub. <laughs> and then also Timothy wearing a t-shirt that's like, I'm not the stepdad. I'm the dad who stepped Step up. <laughs> Like, can you just imagine him with baby Stormy? Well, I just know Travis Scott is punching a wall somewhere. He gives anger issues. And this is the kind of man that you date to make your baby daddy really jealous. Totally. And you know what? I was listening to I listening to Dumois today. And Enti was the guest. And he was saying how... Who the hell is Enti? And Dumois Enti, has a podcast? Enti from Crazy Days and Nights. Come on. Oh, blind okay. Items. okay. Yes, Dumois podcast. You guys, it's really good. Mm. But um, he was saying how, I mean, according to his sources, Selena... Because you know, Celine, Selena loves drama. God, like she, she loves can't. it. And apparently she's been but does she sliding have dibs into on every guy in Well, Hollywood? apparently her dream right now, according to NT, right? Allegedly, <laughs> allegedly, is she's like trying to get Travis to go on a date with her so they can be photographed just to like get under Kylie's skin. She's so damn thirsty. And First, she would. I think she would. Well, Zane. Well, Zane. Let's start there. Bebar, her picker's a little off. Anyways, <laughs> I don't want to give too much time to... T- Kylie and Timothy, because obviously it's been keeping all of us up at night. But um, I just uh, what a what a whew. twist! I just I if you told I me, think if you told me anything about the Kardashians five years ago, I wouldn't believe. Right? It's like it never ends with these people. I know it's but a great PR move. You know what? He kind of seems like a Tumblr boy. Like I feel like he was right there with us on Tumblr back in the day. So he's he's a King Kylie fan, and yeah. his dreams are coming true. <laughs> he's an OG. He definitely busted at a time or two with that girl because. Oh, for sure. You can just tell. Yeah. They have sexual... <laughs> There's an energy spark. there. Spark. Yeah, they have spark. <laughs> okay, while we're just on that topic, I what's been keeping me up at night is Kendall and Benito, Bad Bunny. It's really pissing me off. Just like... I mean, Kendall's gorgeous. She's a little basic and just Bad Bunny is everything, right? Like, yeah. he's I, one of my favorite artists. So a little disappointed to see that. But, you know, um, 
Look, if I was him, I'd probably want to date her too. So Yeah, I get it. Shout I out. mean, she is gorgeous. She She's a little flat. But maybe that's just, we don't know her in real life, right? I will say, NT from Dumois Podcast also said that allegedly they went on a double date this weekend. Um, Kylie, Timothy, Benito, and Kendall alongside Kris Jenner and Corey. Jeff Bezos. Chris oh, wasn't on a date with Jeff Bezos. No, but Chris was at the was... dinner and Jeff Bezos was at the dinner show, allegedly. Well, you know who what a group. We, you know who we love more on her later is Jeff Bezos' uh, yes! mistress turned woman, oh my Lauren God. Sanchez. Last thing I'll say for you guys, I'm really recapping the Dumois podcast, but <laughs> NT was kind of like, was was Lauren Bezos there? And Dumois was like, well, my source didn't say, but because like she's not really that famous. Like the source just mentioned the famous people. And I'm like, honey. She's a star. <laughs> oh, yeah. We're sending her videos back and forth. She had a, <laughs> more on her later. Her Earth Day video, which was was, was like, eat more edamame because it's really good for the Earth. I said, girl, you're not good for the Earth. Shut the hell up. <laughs> yeah, you're not good for the Earth. How about that? Okay. Next on my list, the I just wanted to talk about this quickly because it leaked today. I'm sure many of you have already heard it on TikTok, but we have all been anxiously awaiting the new Kim Petras and Nicki Minaj song, right? That samples. Um, oh, my God. It's like that techno song from the 90s. Is it I Better Off Alone? I don't know. Um, I'm sorry, you guys. I'm tanking this right now. But the new Kim Petra song with like the 90s EDM sample. I'm sorry, you guys. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. We love music um, and we're excited to hear. Yeah, it is Better Off Alone. Sorry, I'm singing it in my head. I'm pretty sure it's Better Off Alone. Anyway. Give us a bar. It, you didn't start with your no, original I didn't song. Sing, but <laughs> it leaked today. And Ooh. let me tell you, it's not giving what we thought it would give. Like the, okay. the snippet that Kim kept playing in her TikToks really sounded like the summer anthem of the anthem of the summer. It sounded similar to kind of the BB Rexa I'm Blue song, like very high oh, energy. Which we love. Very in yeah. the vein of the original, you know? But now that we're hearing the leaked song, it's like a bit of a trap song. And it's like her being like, and I ride it, I ride it. It's like, okay, like, oh, where's the energy? Where's the, where's the, the summer vibes? And people were like, you know, I don't know. It's just, look, I love Kim Petras, but I think lately a lot of her songs are sounding the same. And it's like, we get it. You have sex. You, I mean, every song is, and I write it, and I write it, and I lick it. It's like, okay, slut pop. It's, I know. I, I'm, you know, I heard you. I, I believe you. I believe you. Guys, give, give me 90s you, EDM If you want me and Tristan's like music review spinoff podcast, because you know we just love to yeah. chat music. I actually have um, a reason that I want Kim Petras to fail. Um, no, I am rolling with the LGBT, so don't think your mind don't is going go there. there but I actually have a very personal reason that I do want to see her fail. And um, I can't share it because that's that's bad karma. So I'm not going to say anything. Okay. So thanks for saying that her song is not a bop because I yeah. love her songs. So I mean, the song <laughs> comes out officially on Thursday. Maybe People on t- TikTok are like, she better rework those verses tonight. So maybe we will get a different version on Thursday. But we'll okay, see. wait, it's my turn. You twice <laughs> okay this is a short one we don't even have to comment on this hbo max has been renamed max obsessed slay okay i'm gonna go in again or oh, well just on the topic <laughs> did you watch the trailer for the idol is yes idol? that's on my list too i have some thoughts let's talk about it now let's talk about it now oh it looks good speaking of music the gimme more needle drop <gasps> was divine oh my god chills the clips of lily rose dancing looking sexy i was like i would kill for that role the role she was born to play no offense tristan you would have been good too i would have been good i would have been good let's just say it so i did you read the rolling stone expose about the show i did how it kind of went from like a feminist masterpiece with the girlfriend experience director amy seitzman and then sam levinson the euphoria guy took over and he was like i need it to be like more yeah, he misogynistic the yeah. yeah and there was some some really serious allegations coming from the set 
I'm willing to give it a chance just because I think it looks fabulous and like it's my kind of show. It looks good. And I'm also willing to give it a chance because I'm willing to believe that like, I feel like that was maybe a bit of a PR moment. Like, I don't know. Controversy is kind of good for business. And I yeah. think there are there are legitimacy to those claims. I also heard, according to some of the sources on the web, that um, most of that stuff was written out in the end. Mm-hmm. Like, those, none of those scenes were actually filmed, the problematic scenes in question. So it's like, you know, I don't know. I kind of take that with a grain of salt. We'll have to wait and see. But... And for, with, in case we didn't say, we are talking about the new HBO show, The Idol, which is coming out in June. And last thing. Yeah. People think, if you listen to the trailer closely, there is this clip of... Brittany. Oh, yeah. love to love you, baby. baby. And people think it's Britney because Britney was photographed on the set of the show and she thanked the creators. Okay. Oh my God, if it's her, I will pass out. That'd be sick. The cast is really stacked. I will also say, I think The weekend might be very nervous right now because unless his performance is incredible and he's a really good actor, it's going to be so freaking cringe. And the same goes for Johnny Rose Depp over there, okay? Cause yeah, they're going to get chewed up if it's not good. They better act the shit out of these roles or else, like, huge flop. Uh, the way we would have crushed it. <laughs> Me and, and you. And those roles. Dan Levy gets every role that I was born to play. I know. Anyways. Poor man's Dan Levy, right? Sam Levinson. I'm right here. Yeah. Okay, you go next. And and I'm the poor man's Rachel Sonat, if you know who that is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I just want to do a quick shout out. It was Coachella last weekend. I just want to shout out two really nice seeming influencers who are doing it with Grace and uh, blowing up. It's Alex Earl and Jake Shane Octopussy. Have you encountered them? Love Alex Earl. Yeah. She just seems like a sweetie. Like, it's really weird because that kind of person has everything stacked against them to seem like they'd be obnoxious. But like... Really love her vibe. Do you know Jake Shane, the octopusy? I don't know. You know, he's the guy. He does, like, these dances. He's kind of like a short gay guy. He's like, pussy PSA. Pussy PSA. <sighs> okay, he's, he's blowing up, but I'll, I'll send you his TikTok. Me and a lot of the girls were obsessed with him. He's so cute, and we just want to say, you're so great. He's actually befriended, befriended Alex Earl. Apparently, they're, they're both Jewish. They're both about our age. So I just want to say, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing what you're doing. I will, while we're on the topic of Coachella, I had that on my list. Um, does anyone else feel like Coachella's just kind of lost the spark? Maybe we've been overexposed to Coachella. I feel like nothing will compare to 2013 Coachella when Kendall and Kylie attended with I know. Selena. You guys know exactly what I'm talking about. I remember like high school, elementary school, even in my room on YouTube, watching the live feeds, like literally oh, hating obsessed. my life and just like being like, if I was there, like then it could be I, okay. Right. <laughs> I remember just be, I remember an early Beverly Hills, like Lisa Rinna's first season, her daughters being like upset because their parents didn't let them go. And I was like, wow, I would be so mad because I know those LA kids really live it up. Luckily at now I do feel like I'm a little bit too t- old and tired to go. <laughs> oh, I was but watching clips from yeah. it and I was like, I could not stand in that crowd. I would actually have a panic attack. So to be and I'd be hot. Fair, I actually think it looked pretty lit this year. I feel like they had some really good artists. Like I've heard like the Labyrinth set was amazing. And like the, they've leaned into like the Neon Carnival and like the art exhibitions of it all. And like, it looks, it looks fun to me. So who knows? Maybe I'll make it there. Allegedly Frank Ocean tanked. But. Well, that was on my list. I mean, what are you, like, not, like, a Frank Ocean head, really? I, um, I am. Like, I, I okay. love Blonde. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't say I'm, like, a Frank Ocean head, you know? He's definitely, like, life to me. And as a fan, like, it was disappointing. But he's never sold himself as, like... A performer. Yeah. yeah. And, like, this was always going to be a huge obstacle for him. It's almost one of those deals where it's too good to say yeah. no. He couldn't have passed it up, but... Um, what I was going to say is you just know it's bad when the Twitter account I follow, Frank Ocean Daily, turned on him. <laughs> oh, you know, they've no. been They've been pumping out the Frank Ocean content <laughs> for years, and they're like, we're really disappointed. <laughs> Have you ever seen that meme where it's like from Natalie Portman updates, and it's like oh, yeah. a picture of her pregnant, and the caption is, I feel like shit today. <laughs> Hashtag Natalie Portman updates. <laughs> 
<laughs> Anyways, um, yeah. yeah, I don't know. I mean, I really can't think well, of Well, did you hear he was supposed to have, so. well, not a performance, but he was supposed to have a huge skating rink with like 80 ice dancers. Yes. And then at the last minute, he allegedly broke his ankle. So he scrapped all of that. So the dancers were just on stage. And then he was just kind of DJing. And I'm like, well, and then people were leaving early. So he's actually supposed to be that closing headliner for next weekend because it's two weekends. So who knows what they're going to do. Like, apparently the tension is very high between Coachella and Frank Ocean right now. Yeah. And I'm very curious to see. And it was supposed to be live stream, but the the last minute he cut the live stream. So Yeah, and I think he he was hours late. You're not really allowed to do that. Hey, Frank, you ever see uh, Baychella when Beyonce uh, (laughs) performed her landmark homecoming two-weekend performance? Ever ever heard of it? (laughs) Women get shit done. Women's stories matter. They just do. Okay. Um, mine, just because I've been bringing this up every week, no Megan at the coronation confirmed. Oh my God. I'm obsessed because you know, the Brits, they, she can't win with them. She can't win. She goes, they hate her. She doesn't go. They hate her even more. Like I saw this headline and it was like, so-and-so slams her selfish decision. And I'm like, if she went, you guys would have said she's selfish for stealing the spotlight. Like what, what do you want her to do? I think it's very smart of her not to go. I wouldn't go. She couldn't have made one right move in that situation. And the pressure, yeah, the microscope would have been insane. If she even scratched her nose, like, you know, if she was sitting there and scratched her nose, they would have been like, she gave Kate the finger. So (laughs) what I love is all the pressure has now been flipped onto William's alleged mistress, Miss Rose Hanbury, who looks like an even more anorexic version of Kate Middleton. (laughs) Allegedly. Uh, not alleged. She looks like that. But <laughs> no, but I mean, it's pretty well documented in the British press. They might have been having having a thing, and she's quite high in the royal inner circle, so she'll be like walking in the coronation. Oh my god! And now the Brits are losing it over tearing her up. So I think you know what? Let's give Megan a week off and just let's have Rose <laughs> yeah. Hanbury. Kind of. I know Megan's at home with her feet up, laughing her ass off right now. She's be, liking tweets from her secret Twitter. Yeah, she'll be watching Vanderpump with all of us this Thursday. She doesn't <laughs> yeah. give a fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, um, okay, you go Oh, next. wait, but but did you see who they confirmed to perform? And uh, I'm forgetting now, but they're Katie really... Katy Perry and Nicki Minaj. Nicki Minaj, no, swish, not Nicki Minaj. Nicki tweeted that she's going to the coronation. I don't know if she's kidding or... Oh, <laughs> no, Tristan. <laughs> swish, swish. Nicki Minaj and Kim Charles collab is not happening. That's <laughs> not happening. But Katy Perry, like, that girl never says no to a gig, and I guess she needs them, because it's like no one's really checking on her. She's the Paula Abdul of our generation. More on that later. Okay, it's Lionel Richie, Andrea Bocelli, and Katy Perry. There's no Nicki Minaj, okay? She she might be going as a guest, but what, what yeah. is she going to sing? Anaconda? Like, <laughs> <laughs> but it is kind of funny that they couldn't get any British people to perform. They're literally getting Italian and some Americans to perform. It seems strange to me. Like, I, I, I would assume that they would jump at the chance. But... Yeah. Okay, do you want to go? I've got lots more to discuss. <laughs> um, yes. I can jump in. Okay, quickly. Has anyone seen this video going around of the girl boss CEO of the Miller Nor Miller Knoll Corporation, aka like Herman Miller design. Wait, she's... is this the blonde woman who goes boom? Yeah. Okay. Sil- I watched it today. So she's bitching about someone secretly recorded her during the town hall, bitching about her employees wanting bonuses when she took a four million dollar bonus this year and she's telling them to get out of PD City. She's like Everybody needs to get out of Pity City, and they need to get on the right team, and you need to work hard, and you need to make $26 million for our company, and then maybe we can talk about bonuses. So I'm just so happy someone recorded this and leaked this, because this woman is trash. We need more of these moments. Her name's Andy Owen, so if you want to, like, go on her LinkedIn, like, You know what yeah. she was giving me? <laughs> she was giving me Laura Dern from season mm. one of The White Lotus. 
Like, yes. and you know, or Laura Dern from Big Little or Lies. Big Little Lies totally. Like Klein. that same, yeah. you know, archetype of a CEO. She thought she was giving get your asses up and work, but it it wasn't giving. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't giving what it was supposed to give. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. Yeah. That, Fuck that's, her. <laughs> I realized that's my whole list too. Okay, we're almost through. Oh, I guess we'll just put a button on it by saying "Buttons" by the Pussycat Dolls came out 17 years ago this week. And changed my life forever. Yeah. I remember summer before grade six, getting up every morning, watching the Much Music Countdown. And that that music video, these are the three, you guys. Picture it. July 2006. Buttons, Public Affair by Jessica Simpson, and Unfaithful by Rihanna. In a row, every morning. And I was living for it. Those are three just Heavy like hitters. I, have, I have the chills just thinking about those songs the existing. The public affair music video with Eva Longoria and Christina Applegate. Aren't they roller skating? Oh, they're roller skating. Oh, uh, roller. Ro- <laughs> I will never forget it. Anyways. I love that song. But yeah, anyways, Buttons. That was kind of like a cultural reset for me. I mean, that was, was probably reset, the... And I will never forgive them for canceling the reunion tour. I legit was prepared to go. 17 years though, because I remember that was the moment I first started leaning into my sexuality. And I just can't <laughs> believe that's been 17 years since then. Yeah. <laughs> I can't believe I've had 17 years of this. Okay. Now let's get into our topic of the day. Wait. One more. And you're going to say no. I'm already just, I'm just putting it out there. Do you watch Love is Blind? No. no. Okay. That'll be on my spinoff podcast, so uh, check that'll it out. That'll be on the Patreon. Okay. Yeah, that'll be on the Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Brooke Shields. Yeah. Pretty baby. So there's a new um, Hulu documentary. Oh, it's a two-part documentary about the actress Brooke Shields. And you probably know the name, but do you know the story? But we're going to tell you the story. And I will mm. say, in addition to the um, documentary. I also listened to the Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Shout out to Celebrity Memoir Book Club. Justin loves those girlies. I love those too. I don't think they're very funny, but... (laughs) I mean, listen. Um, I listened to their podcast about her book, which came out a few years ago, Mm -hmm. but also kind of tells the same story. So I have some supplementary facts that the documentary didn't really cover as well. Okay. Um, And those are courtesy of Celebrity Memoir Book Club, so credit where credit is due. The inside scoop. And I just want to say, you'll probably enjoy this conversation more if you watch the thing first. I'll just say it's on Disney+. Plus. You can pause it. You can come back to this. Listen to us throughout your week, you know? Break it up. And the doc is split into two two one-hour episodes, so... It's, you know, it's pretty digestible. I gotta say, that helps it go down smooth. Like, if you put, like, a two-and-a-half-hour documentary on, you're like, okay, this is a lot. Right, here we go. You say it's two one-hour episodes, I go, that's okay. That's I got okay. time for that. <laughs> okay, so why don't we start with Holly? What's your experience with Brooke Shields? So, I mean, she wasn't, like, a huge... Like, I didn't really, you know, care much. And then I heard this documentary was good, so I was like, let's check it out. I mean, we're definitely before her time of when she would have influenced us. But... um. You go in next. Because yeah, I feel differently same. now. After my, seeing it, she is my mother. She, she, is, she is my she is mother. idol. Yeah. Um, same. <laughs> She's definitely before my time, our time. Um, my only experience, I I was, I knew there was like some weird sexploitation involved. Yes. I, like I had heard that, you know, in like on like Entertainment Tonight before. My only real experience with Brooke Shields is like Tumblr era Blue Lagoon screenshots. Yeah, like girls having that as their Twitter profile picture. I mean, so gorgeous. She's so blue gorgeous. Bright. But we're gonna get there. After watching this, I will just say, I mean, she is mother. This story has everything we love on the podcast. It has a mid-career moment in the musical Chicago. We've got a childhood friendship with Michael Jackson. Public feud with Tom Cruise about her antidepressant use. Okay, like. 
it, it just scratches every itch. <laughs> yeah, like it's like we didn't know that we needed her, but then now we couldn't live without her. Oh, we ride at dawn for Brooke Shields. I, I want to say she's like my Pamela Anderson, the way that like you really connected with Pam Anderson. The documentary is very similar because they're telling the story of the media's sexualization of them since their, like, early years. Except Brooke is a true Princeton-educated intellect. Yeah, that, you know what? That is so true. Um, I found that very moving as well and so inspiring. Something about, like, it, she didn't have to do that, like, you know? I think what you'll find, like, right now we're talking about this sex symbol, Brooke Shields, couldn't really be further from who she is as a person yeah so. which is always the way with these stories but so yeah. why don't we get into it so the documentary starts and i, I highlighted this point because i i thought this was really interesting and something that we often forget is like so she kind of hits it big in the late 70s early 80s and at that time there was like five famous people so if you were famous you were a plus list because there wasn't influencers or youtubers there wasn't even really models that were household names it's like if you cracked it was a monoculture yeah it was a model and everyone knew you everyone watched the same five movies in a year like so if you were famous you were next level famous yes which she was just keep that in mind so Brooke was born in 1965 in, I want to say Newark, New Jersey. She might have been born in New York. Okay. Doesn't matter. I'm already messing up. She's born in 1965 on the East Coast. Okay. Her mom had her working at 11 months old in ivory soap ads. Yes. And her mom, Terry, is that her name? Terry, yeah. She's going to be a big character. Like really this, a lot of this is about Terry. Yeah. So Terry is... Just for some context, a notorious stage mother. She's like the original stage mother, which yes. I guess Judy Garland really had a stage mom too. But <laughs> Terry is like a huge stage mother. I even heard Brooke on Drew Barrymore's show last week, and Drew Barrymore was saying, My mom used to say, I want to be Terry Shields. Like, yeah. I, she, Terry Shields was the blueprint in Hollywood of like a successful stage mother who made her kid a star. And that's kind of what got us interested in the topic after seeing this interview between Drew Barrymore and Brooke Shields kind of overcoming their childhood actor trauma. Um, Sitting on a couch six inches from each other. <laughs> eye to eye, eyeball to eyeball. <laughs> yeah. Um, there, another thing that I learned from the podcast about the book is that, and I'm going to get some of these details wrong, so you mm. guys can listen to the episode if you want, but... I guess uh, Brooke found out later in life that her mom had actually conceived prior to her and given birth to a son and lost him soon after his birth, like within hours or days in the hospital. So when Brooke was born, her mom, I guess it was like a C-section or whatever. They had to take Brooke away in an incubator. Her mom wakes up super drugged and goes into like full trauma panic mode, thinking that the hospital's trying to steal her baby. Mm-hmm. She like runs into the observation room, finds Brooke, steals her, and just like from that moment on, does not let her go and is obsessed with her baby. Understandably For so. For decades. So much yeah. so that Brooke mentioned this in the documentary. Her mother slept with her strapped to her chest. Yes. And this is going to come back when Brooke has her own children. Um, Yeah. yeah. So like uh, from the get go, entertainment business aside, her mom was pretty obsessive and domineering. Yeah. So like, let's, you know, we can do broad strokes of her childhood. Her parents, her dad sounded like a pretty stable, normal guy. They split up pretty quickly after she was born. He had a nice new family with some step-siblings. From the picture that Brooke painted in the documentary, and I'm sure there are more specifics if you guys read her book, but it's like her parents were kind of together. Her dad left for work. Her mom fell pregnant and didn't tell him. 
he comes back from wherever he was working and she's like nine months pregnant and is like, yeah. we're having a baby today. They, after that, it like doesn't really last. So it's really Brooke and her mom. And her mom was kind of this like woman about town in New York. Her mom was pretty too. Like when they were showing yeah. photos of her, I was like, her mom was kind of slay. She was a bit of a party girl, like always out and about and a bit of a climber. Like she wanted a better life. She was trying to beg a man. Yeah. Um, but they weren't total train wrecks, the parents. No, I mean, no, no, no. the dad actually was a pretty stable presence in her life and she yeah. would go back and forth like a classic child of divorce. But some of the hunger in her mom came from, it was the early 60s. Her mom wasn't college educated like a lot of yep. women at the time weren't. She was a single mother. So it was a bit of an uphill battle. So she gets Brooke working ASAP. Brooke is a gorgeous child yes so that's the thing like she came out of the womb looking good she was the cutest baby so cute they were showing they show all these photos from her baby modeling and then even her like toddler era her hair she has like hair down to her shoulders thick gorgeous luscious like adult person hair i mean i guess when you asked earlier what did i what was my association with brooke shields before is like her i mean everyone knows her eyebrows are fucking major so Yeah. yeah i mean she had them as a baby that's why it was really easy for her to get into child acting, child modeling. I think she got her first, yeah, child modeling She did modeling like a whole bunch of commercials. Um, she just started booking work really quickly. And, and so the mom started getting addicted to the lifestyle. She was like, this her is mom my was ticket. Loving it. And yeah. her mom would say to her, she maintains, and this is throughout the documentary, she's still like a little bit in denial and is like, no, my mom never pushed me. My mom wasn't a stage mom. She, you know, it was my choice. It was my choice. But her mom would say, you know, if you book this job, we can get a car. If you book this job, we can get a better apartment. So it becomes evident very early on that Brooke is providing for her and her mother. Yeah, it's a very easy to understand dynamic. Like, even though we probably haven't lived that, it's like, of course, the parent is saying, you know. Yeah. And her dad remarries. Yeah. So she likes to go to her dad's house because it's super normal. Her mom also is a drinker. Yeah. And so there's some chaos there. Another fun fact from the doc is she was childhood friends with Laura Linney. Yes. So random. I was like, is that Laura Linney? (laughs) Yeah. And Laura Linney was like, so the mom becomes an alcoholic pretty like quickly because so by the time Brooke is like, I mean, a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about happens when she's 10 or 11 years old filming her movies where she plays a child prostitute. Um, So by the time she was 10 or 11, she was still a kid, but she was already like deep in the Hollywood scene. Her mom was an alcoholic. And Laura Linney even says... She remembers her and Brooke being in the bedroom, like, locking themselves away from the yeah. mom. Like, yeah, the mom was a threat. They'd moved to California at that point, I believe, for her career. Yeah, yeah. So her mom wanted to boss babe. And also, when they were showing photos of her parents, her dad was really handsome. Like, you can... Both her parents were good looking. Yeah. And then Brooke is the sum of those parts. Like, yeah. she's just, like, gorgeous. Mm-hmm. Um, they also touch on, which was really interesting, that I, you know, I haven't seen this portrayed like this before is that of course in the 60s in late 60s there's kind of like the rise of feminism um and women standing up against being sexualized but what they said is as a response to that the media started sexualizing children yes like young females the documentary does a really good job of telling brooke's story but also like the larger narrative which is a lot about sexualization of young women and the pressure and we're gonna get into more in the end where they, they kind of sum up their thesis they replaced the traditional sexual image of a woman which at that time was kind of like marilyn monroe and they replaced that with literal children yeah um because that's where the culture was at that time yeah it was almost like in a response to like the women's liberation movement and feminism in a way yeah and brooke talks about they show some of these early modeling photos and like they're racy and she is like 
eight, nine, ten years old. Like I was, I couldn't believe these photos were yeah. taken. And although we can believe it, because really, that's I mean, what the culture was like. Like, yeah, yeah. But, and but Brooke maintains that she's like, I couldn't see the sexiness. Like, I just, you know, I thought it was fun. And it's like, oh, that's fine. Of course, you can see the sexiness. You were eight years old. The adults could see yeah, the sexiness. Yeah. Like, there's there were adults in the room. Her own mother aside, because a lot of the blame gets placed on her mom. But it's like there were photographers and agents and everything else, and no one had a problem with this. Like, it's so disturbing. She to see some of she that. comes across as very like genuinely innocent and yeah, naive to a fault. Yeah, almost right. Yeah. Um, and her there was a quote here from her mom where her mom believed that the world should quote. In, she was like, "Brooke is so beautiful. I think the world should enjoy her." Mm-hmm. Ugh so cringe i mean okay and all this to say this is kind of a story with a really happy ending so we're not like setting up this like tragic downfall like the best the thing i took away from it is like she's extremely well adjusted she has this crazy perspective throughout her life where she can see the bigger picture make good decisions and that's kind of like the triumphant story is that she doesn't go down the road so many child totally. stories do she so easily things could have gone so wrong but yes so. um sorry i'm i have a million notes Okay, keep going. No, okay. keep going. I'm going to jump in a lot more when we start talking about the Andre Augustine okay. era. Okay, totally. Um, so her mom is pushing her to be sensual. Like, she's encouraging all of this. Brooke's funding their lifestyle. They're, they're showing photos of her from her modeling where she's, like, a little bit older. And it's, she's quoted as being America's sexiest teen model. Like, it's so... <laughs> that's, like, in print. Like, in, like, a People magazine. Like, it's so disturbing. She's literally, like, 12. Um, I'm not exaggerating. She starts doing movies. The first notable movie is called Pretty Baby. It's about a, it's about sex workers in New Orleans in the early 1900s. Um, she plays the daughter of a sex worker living in this brothel who then gets entangled with an adult man. There are scenes in the movie where she is nude. Yeah. Um, there's also a kiss scene. And her co-star is Susan Sarandon. Yes, and what? Keith Carradine is the man. So I believe um, she was about 10 or 11 when she filmed this movie. One sec, I have the yeah. age here. She was 11, yeah. So was 11. It, it was directed by this French director, Louis Maes, who, um, if anyone's interested in the history of Hollywood, and this, uh, there's Karina Longworth's podcast, you must remember this. Oh, and I love that podcast. Me too, and she was in one of the voices in the documentary. So this director, Louis Maes, was a bit controversial. He actually was mar- married to Candace Bergen until uh, his death crazy small world but it was the movie was written by a woman polly platt so i think in a lot of ways the writer might have intended this to be a more nuanced story about like child sexualization but something got lost in translation and it ended up being way really creepy it's so bad like some of the clips they show where they're like bringing her in the room like elevate it's so you guys so she so she's like 10 and she has to kiss this adult man in, uh, yeah in the movie and she apparently was making faces she didn't want to kiss him and he the actor i mean whatever you want to think about him but he told her like don't worry like this is just fake like it's just like he was trying he could tell it was weird maybe yeah. i don't know who and knows she, what he was really she, thinking. I, which is a typical story of child actors she talks a lot about how like she just wanted to please the adults in the room she just wanted to do yeah, the job it well. makes total sense it makes like, total sense like no one's yeah. blaming her like we're not blaming i think she sometimes in the documentary and when she's talking to her kids it's like she starts to feel attacked 
for having done these. It's not you, Brooke. We, yeah. not, we you, someone should have been protecting you. Like you were a child, you couldn't consent to those things. And at that age, you don't even have the language for like sexuality or the knowledge of it. So how could of you call not. it out? And yeah. that she mentions that a lot too, which is so true. She she couldn't see she, she couldn't see the sexual nature of these situations because she she didn't know she didn't understand yeah. sexuality. Of course not. You're too young, so it's like you don't even. You can't comprehend how this is reading, right? But I think I'm sure all the listeners can imagine, like, this is a movie. What year is this from? I don't know. But it's... It's, it's like, in the 70s. Like, mid-70s. I think 70s. it's 80s. Well, she okay. started in college in 83. So okay, so 70s. Is, yeah. Okay. It's, like, literally about, like, a 10-year-old child prostitute, like, falling in with, like, falling in love with a grown man. So yeah. you can just imagine how, like, that's so disgusting now. Yeah. <laughs> and it would never be made. But at the time, you know... Yeah, and people the, saw it in droves. At this point, the doc does raise that, like, you know, the public, there was outrage about this movie. Yes. Uh, so, you know, the public wasn't totally eating it up. There was outrage, but everyone took it out on her mom, which, fair enough, her mom definitely played a role, but it's like no one held the larger powers that be a- accountable. Like, no one looked at the, the directors, director. no one looked yeah. at anyone else. It was all like, how could you let your daughter do this? And, it's and like, you know, it's funny, in the part of a much larger machine. But. In the documentary, like, we haven't talked really about this at all, but like, all these interviews she was doing every talk show like again with the monoculture it was always her the child actress and her mom sitting beside each other doing interviews with these older men always an older white man and they'd be asking her questions about like how do you feel about like you know being Being so sexy sexy. Yeah, yeah in the in the movie and it's like what is she supposed to say but she's so eloquent even from that age she is so she is so Damn eloquent. eloquent. At this point, they get into her mom's alcoholism. So it's like, she talks about how her mom was like the life of the party, the brightest person in the room. But then there would be these moments where she would say something like super inappropriate. Yeah. Like, you know, it always crosses a line as drinkers often do, right? Do you guys know any alcoholics? I'm sure you do. <laughs> if you know an alcoholic. Um, <laughs> she starts to feel really responsible to like keep her mom alive. Like she now takes a parental role in her relationship Total with her mother. Total parentification. And she is like 11. Yeah. It's in around this time, I think she's 15 or 16, she films Blue Lagoon in Fiji. So she goes to Fiji for four months. You guys, I've never seen Blue Lagoon. I, you know, I mentioned I'd seen moments on Tumblr. I did not realize that this whole movie is like an underage girl. And I believe the co-stars underage as well. Don't yeah. know for sure. It's like two, two teenagers. teenagers. Naked the entire yeah. movie. Like, the doc was blurring out the boy, too. Like, they're just butt naked. You know what it's giving? Lana Del Rey inspiration. <laughs> oh, totally. But, like, it's so bad. I cannot believe. It's like and a guys, teenage wet dream fantasy. It's about yeah. two teens being, like, stranded on an island and they fall in love. I believe she gets pregnant in the film and delivers but a But it's like, a movie for adults. Like, it's, it's so insane and this you guys this got my blood boiling because it's like you know (laughs) older people our parents whoever it may be they always make the case that like teens are too sexual nowadays girls are running around in their underwear we didn't grow up like this we didn't see all this (laughs) well mimi guess what mimi you did because they were showing clips of droves of teenagers and adults alike going to see this movie celebrating it thinking it was cool being like we love brooke shields and we love her naked so nothing has changed folks and we will be talking about at the end of the movie she has a conversation with her daughters asking them about how their sexual tiktoks and instagrams are any different than what she did so well let's talk about that more towards well yes yeah but i um 
I also, I sympathize with the teens, or I, I got it because I remember being a teenager and it's like, yeah, you can't see the exploitation at work or you can't see why things are controversial and you just kind of like think it's cool and funny and you think you have more agency than you do. Like I remember yes. being 15, 16 and being like, I'm not being influenced. Like I'm really smart and I know everything. And it's like, no, you don't. And a perfect example, I remember when we were in like high school, grade nine, 10, the outrage about the um, Glee, it was either Glee or Gossip Girl. I think it was Gossip Girl Rolling Stones photos of them licking the ice cream. And I remember getting in a fight with my English teacher and being like, no, they're just like (laughs) cool fashion photography. But it's like, no, I mean, they're clearly sexually nuanced. And the audience of Gossip Girl was very young. It's like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I I see now as an adult, like why people were upset. I love that for you. I mean, we were just talking about how Buttons awakened us 17 years ago. We definitely weren't grown. (laughs) We were not, exactly. Yeah. Next, the doc gets into these Calvin Klein ads. So she is still like 15, 16. She does a series of Calvin Klein ads with infamous photographer, infamous, famous photographer, Richard Avedon. Um, She looks... I mean, she looks gorgeous in the billboards, but these commercials, you guys, like, it's insane how sexualized she was. Yeah. In one of them, she's, like, pulling her pants off. It's so bad. She's, like, writhing around on the floor, like, trying to get into her Calvin's. I mean, it's the blueprint for Calvin Klein ads, but she was a child. And let me just say, I said the billboard was gorgeous, like, her her glam, her hair and makeup and stuff, but, like, they're so sexual. The commercials and the slogan is, nothing comes between me and my Calvin's. Like, I mean, they're still using that, aren't they? It's so... (laughs) I cannot, like, it's it's just, like, creeped me out. Anyways. It didn't, but, you know, her perspective, she was like, I just saw it as an acting job. She's like, I was just acting my little heart out. Her perspective, (laughs) she's like, you know what? I love doing it because I had to be smart to do those ads. I'm like, did you? Yeah. (laughs) Did you have to be smart? Say more, say more. (laughs) Like, I don't know if it was really about that. But, you know, whatever, Brooke. I believe you. Um, she maintains she had no idea that what she was doing was, sec- was sexual. And I don't judge her for it. Look, she was a child. She was a child placed in an overly sexualized situation. So at um, this point, she is massive. Like, between these few movies and the ads, like, massive. she is a star. The movies are huge. The ads are everywhere. And the ads are even, even though there's controversy around them, I think they were, like, banned on NBC. It's like, the controversy just makes her more famous. Like, yeah. people are obsessed with Brooke Shields. There's a line of Barbies. She's in all kinds of magazines, the cover of Vogue. Like, she's massive. And again, she's like a, maybe 15 at this point. This could be going so wrong for anyone else, but she's really taking it in stride. Yeah, she is so level. And they also mentioned they have her on every talk show. Like, yeah, she's, like she'll do any talk she'll show. She'll do anything. They talked yeah. to Lionel Richie, and he's like, yeah, I knew her pretty well because she was at everything and yeah. she was game for she everything horse. like she was a workhorse and she doesn't even complain about the work like i mean i would get it and you often hear these stories where they're like oh my god i had no sleep and i was being exploited she loved it she was working her little heart out yeah so what happens next so this now we get into kind of the 80s she is she kicks off the 80s she's on the cover of time magazine she is like the As face like person of the, of the year when you're literally a sexy child model but she's, okay <laughs> she's literally america's sexiest teen their words <laughs> not mine she starts partying at Studio 54 with nine-year-old Drew Barrymore. Aw. And Brooke looks back on it, and she's like, yeah, and it was great. And Grace Jones was there, and we were having fun. And I'm like, you know what? Again, Slay. that's why she's mother. She, like, doesn't deny, like, the good times. She's like, I was loving it. She's, she's like, able yeah. to separate the good from, from the, the bad, bad and be like, mm-hmm. you know what? It was fun. Yeah. And I believe that it was. And I'm sure that it was. That's why me and Tristan got along. We just have that, too. <laughs> <laughs> we have that, too. Um, then this... Oh, this was so disturbing, too. She gets into a legal case 
fighting oh, for yeah. the rights of a series of nude photos that were taken of her at nine years old. The photos were commissioned by Playboy. Yeah. And they were supposed to show the dichotomy of young girls. I didn't even get They tried Whatever. to explain the meaning of it. You guys, there's we no explaining it. this. You, yeah. And they showed the photos blurred. And it's like, it's, it's child pornography. It's so, like flat out child pornography. Long story short, she has to go to court defend why she wants to own the photos and she has to testify for two days and she's 16 and all the questions are like did you how sexy did you feel on the set yeah they're like don't you enjoy being sexy you look pretty sexy to us it's it's (laughs) next level oh god and she loses the case again she takes it in stride she goes well what are you gonna do she literally says in an interview she's like you know (laughs) things happen for a reason yeah she's like things happen for the best that's what she says god i love her i love her (laughs) you know i really admire her strength she Oh, what was the... She does this next porny movie. It's another one about teens falling in love. Mm -hmm. And she describes... She has to film this sex scene. It's with this, like, Italian director. She has to film this sex scene. Oh, yeah. It's Franco Zeffirelli, who... He actually directed Romeo and Juliet, the original, with... And I think he used, like, 12-year-old actors, like Olivia Hussey at the time. Like, he's a... He actually ended up becoming a politician in Italy under the Silvio Berlusconi party the Forza Italia party which you know Silvio Berlusconi and his more on her later his um bumba bumba parties uh, or whatever they call them yeah (laughs) so anyways don't google it no this is a controversial Italian director he's not one of the good ones yeah so she does this movie and she describes how and at this point she this is important to note too so while she's being so over sexualized she literally has never dated Yes. She's a virgin. Like she's she a virgin. Hasn't even like kissed a boy. Like she's like not. She's like in my personal life. Like I am the farthest thing from. Sexy. Well, this is what we love about her too. Like she just keeps saying that like all throughout her life she's quite nerdy, dorky, adorkable. Like she's giving new girl. She's adorkable. Yeah, she's adorkable. And she's like totally adorkable. And her mom, <laughs> her mom's right over her. So it's not like anyone. You know, it's not like she even had space to date because she was mommy's best friend. Mm-hmm. Um, she films. What I was going to say is she has to film this sex scene. And obviously she doesn't know how to be sexy. He's like, look like you're in ecstasy. She's like, I don't even know what that is. Like, I, whatever. He starts, and I quote, pulling on her toes. Yeah. To like get an expression of pain out of her. Like, oh, the way she was describing it, I was like covering my ears. I could not believe this. I mean, that's like old school directing. That's like me when I was young being like, I'd be such a good director. I could just get it out of the. Is <laughs> like an episode of Rugrats where like a baby has to model in a diaper commercial so they pinch the baby to make it cry? Like that's like what they were doing with her. I I don't remember that. <laughs> okay, and just to clarify, I looked up Berlusconi his party his sex parties, the Former Italian president were called the Bunga Bunga parties. So I just want to make sure that's clear. Not Bumba Bumba. Bumba. Bunga Bunga. <laughs> Those were his orgy okay. parties. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing. You guys can read more no, about that. No, it's funny. It's funny. Yeah. Um, her mom really has control issues around this time because Brooke decides she wants to go to Princeton and she gets in. Keep in mind, Brooke like did not go to school. No, this whole time she's been doing like Hollywood trailer set school. Where... She's been pretending to yeah. do school. But she's that freaking smart. Her dad, I guess, was always kind of an influence in her life being like, you could go to school if you want. Yeah, and, like, and her dad always promised to pay for it. Yeah. Regardless of her career. They're kind of East Coast, like waspy. Like mm-hmm. Her she... dad was had a bit of money. Yeah. And by this point, she has some stepsisters. So he has a stable. He offers like a stable family unit for her. Yeah. Um, but her mom panics at this point. For a few, I mean, God, this whole thing is just so like, what's the opposite of Oedipal? Like the mommy issues things, but like, so she is actually starting to come of age now. She is going away to college. The mom's losing control and go ahead. She goes to college. Princeton. She goes to Princeton. And you guys, when I say in this era, and by this point she's an adult, she is 
so gorgeous. She's giving preppy, gorgeous East Coast girl. Like some of the photos yeah. of her at Princeton, I was like, oh, she is so effing pretty. I mean, she always was, but it is the Brandy Melville blueprint. It is the Brit totally. And like mm-hmm. she really comes into her own at this point. Her first year, she is terribly homesick and lonely, which I mean, we can all relate to that. I was watching it and I was like, I get her. But you know what? She was like, people wouldn't want to be near me because they're like your Brooke Shields we want to give you space we want yeah it actually bit yeah. her it actually yeah. hurt. she she actually wanted people to fangirl a little bit because she's like because they were people at Princeton people were scared of me yeah and people yeah. at Princeton were all very smart and didn't want to play associate, into the, yeah, associate with, my, with like the yeah. fame so then she had no friends like no one would talk to her I know and I'm like girl if I was there I would have I would have you. Oh, I would have I would have hung out with her. But she does an interview <laughs> where she says she talked to her mom on the phone five times a day, no exaggeration. Yes. So I wanna much. talk about a thing something that moved me a lot around this point. She says that about a year into it, she was feeling so homesick and lonely and she had been talking to her mom so much and her mom was such a mess, like alcoholic, codependent. And she told her mom, I wanna leave college, I wanna come home. And she said it took every bit of strength, she realizes now, but her mom said no, you, you'll you regret it. You need to stay in college and try. Even though every fiber in her being, both of them knew the mom wanted her to come home, the mom found the strength to tell her not to drop out of college. And I just have the chills saying it. I mean, that was, it was a really touching moment. That's what I go, show we got a deep like, person that we're watching here and she's got a lot of depth and we're gonna She's got a lot of depth yeah, to her yeah. and we're gonna dive in. <laughs> but it goes to show you too, like, and this is always the case. It's like parent-child relationships are so complex and they're not black or white. Like, there are moments where her mom was horrible to her. And then there are moments where her mom shows like such selfless love in a way, like with mostly this. in that moment, <laughs> mostly, mostly just in that moment. At one time. You know what? I forgot an important point just before this, she sends her mom to rehab and she pays for it. Yes. And then they do talk shows where she's like, yep, I saved my mom from alcoholism. And she's like 16. Yes. She says someone on a set told her what an intervention was. So they were like, she's Did like, she, you she's should like, do right. this for your mom. And so they, but she said her mom started drinking pretty soon after, but they her were mom like open looked about her in it. the eye and was like, I'm only doing this for, for you. you. And then Which, that put a whole guilt on her too. Anyway, yeah. so by this point though, her and her But mom again, like look besties. at this perspective, by the way, at this point, Drew Barrymore, she's gone off the deep end. She's on every drug, every drink. At this point, Brooke Shields is, like, doing an intervention for her mom. She's still a preteen at this point. Uh, yeah. How? How is she not drinking and doing drugs? I know. Yeah. Brooke never gets into the drugs or drinking. Never. Never. She never wavers. Like, she but just stayed she away But she still does have a good time. But she still knows how to have fun. She still wants to do Mother. Okay. Continue. Um, around this time where she's at Princeton, the media goes into a full-blown virginity panic over her they are obsessed they with her virginity. They find out for some reason someone convinces her it's, like, a good idea to talk about being a virgin. She wrote a book. Oh, you guys! Yeah. She's at Princeton, and she because she's so smart. She had to write. A, she loves writing books. Her professor yeah. is like, "You're really smart. Share your opinion." So she starts writing, and she's like, "I'm literally going to write a book right now." But you know what they said? She was like, "I, I guess I had mentioned it somewhere in the draft, and the editor made it this huge thing." Yeah. So she writes this honest book about how hard it was for her to move to college and move away from her mom, and she really wanted it to be a book that young people could read and be like, "Wow, Brooke Shields is just like me. We could use that. Is hard, <laughs> honey. I could have used it. Yeah. You know, it's okay." To be lonely growing up is hard whatever she submits her you know her rough draft and the publishers are like um this is a little too smart we actually need you to give a guide on like plucking your eyebrows and dating boys and going shopping and they even said it was like how to not gain the freshman 15 it was all about yeah it was so shallow, shallow and she was so upset but she's like you know 
that was my like lot in life at that point. Like I just have to, she was so, she just wanted to make the adults happy. And she's like, whatever, publish the book. The one thing they do keep in the book is the fact that she is in fact a virgin. <laughs> and she was. And she's waiting for the right person, which I admire. And she doesn't mention marriage, which is also admirable. She doesn't really link well, it to She's not like, like a Christian, well, she- She's Catholic girl, but it's not a big deal. Yeah, she doesn't link her virginity to like, you know, you have to be abstinent till marriage. She just says she's waiting for the right person, which, you know what? That's not, maybe not for everyone, but you know, that's good advice. Especially like with the growing up that she had being like the child prostitute of the 80s and yeah. 70s. Like, yeah, it's so amazing. People eat it up. Yeah, they're it's, obsessed. It's so gross. It's like similar, <laughs> similar to what Britney experienced. You know what I mean? Anyways, also around this time, And I'll pass it off to Holly in a moment. Oh, I was just going to say, the virgin Mm. whore dichotomy is discussed too. And this is something that I actually wrote about when I was in graduate school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, Not to brag. By the way, Tristan has his master's, everyone. Do you know that? Yeah, clap. (laughs) Clap if you know Tristan has his master's. But so I actually spoke of this too. And it's this whole thing of like, we are obsessed with, uh, we're obsessed with the tension between the virgin and the whore and people like Brooke Shields. And then 20 years later, Britney Spears walked that tightrope so delicately. And it just drives the public crazy because on one hand you have her being so sexual in these movies and in these advertisements. And then on the other hand, she's maintaining this like puritanical approach towards sex. And it's like, is she, isn't she blah, blah, blah. Is she having sex? Like it just drives the, the, the fire of fame so much farther. Right. So that becomes a whole thing. This is around the time that she starts hanging out with Michael Jackson. <laughs> oh boy, you guys. Wait, is it though? Yeah, like it. I don't no, know. no, 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 no. So, in the dock, okay, so at some point she graduates from Princeton with her, with her romantic languages and French language degree. And then I thought she became friends with him. So she tries to get back into Hollywood and she thinks it's going to be so easy to just get picked up with movies again. And then it takes a little while. Everyone has forgotten they about forgot her. They forgot about her. There's, she's like, there's a hundred new girls. She went just to school like for four years and everyone was like, never mind. Yes. So then she she eventually starts dipping her toe back in. She gets starts getting gigs. And I think that's around the time MJ uh, enters okay. the picture. Okay. I'm going to take a bio break and we'll be right back with more. Okay, we're back. So... She starts hanging around Michael Jackson. And originally she says it's like a perfect friendship because they both have kind of like an arrested development. They didn't have normal childhoods. They can relate to each other, both being in the entertainment industry. And they have this shared sense of like simultaneous (laughs) childlike qualities and then also an adult perspective. Like they have been working as adults but they still have like some of the mental qualities of children. So she just says like it, it actually, they make perfect friends because no one else, no one outside of that level of fame can relate. Yeah. So, so this is while she's slowly trying to, or not so slowly trying to rebuild her, uh, acting career in Hollywood. So yeah. he starts taking her to like the Grammys. Yeah. They start appearing on all these red carpets together. She just thinks it's like, platonic like she yeah she maintains there was like it was so innocent and childlike there was nothing intimate about it right and then this goes on for like a while like not too long though i will say but their relationship was a lot more platonic than him and whatever the hell him and kathy hilton got up to with their little demon asses (laughs) that's true but i mean it goes on for a while just in that like i feel like when they show that interview of him that's i don't know anyways you guys getting to the good part He then, so she thinks they just have this friendship is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. He does an interview where the interviewer asks, like, are you dating? Do you have a girlfriend? And he's like, well, yes, Brooke Shields. (laughs) And the interviewer is like, 
okay. uh, what do you guys do together? He's like, yeah, we go to each other's houses all the time and we hang out and we talk to each other and that's my girlfriend, lover. And Brooke is like, I see this interview and I'm like, what? So she calls She thought him. they were friends. She's like, why would you say that? Yeah, like, <laughs> she's like, we absolutely were not dating. But look, as we know now, Michael Jackson was probably Honey, She was <laughs> Yeah. And you know what? Look, I can relate. How did this pod- podcast start? Lisa Marie Presley. <laughs> you guys take it back to episode one. Mm. And I can actually relate because I do remember times in high school where like my parents would be asking about like my prom date and stuff. And like, hello, there's not like, your prom date. My hags. <laughs> my prom date was Azzy, like, you know, and Paige. It's like, those are like my girlfriend you, besties. And yeah. my parents were like, oh, you're bringing a girl to the prom. And I'm like, she's pretty cute, isn't she? Yeah, oh, something yeah. like that. They're like, you should just date. I'm like, well... But yeah, so I get it. And it's like, you know, it's a bit of a defense mechanism if he was gay. I mean, I don't know. I don't want the MJ bots after me. But anyways, that's a whole thing. Can I jump in quick? So I think at this point she had lost her virginity finally to... Well, no, that's oh, next. That's so. next. Okay. Yeah. I actually think So you're right. This, this is time, all while she's in Princeton. She's at Princeton yeah. still. Okay. So she hadn't gone back to Hollywood She meets yet. her first boyfriend who ends up being the Dean actor Kane. who played Superman. Yeah. So he went to Princeton too. Good It's crazy. They met at Princeton, but yeah. he's pretty famous in his own right. His name and is she, Dean Kane. She was... Yeah. And those old photos of him? Aww. Hubba, hubba. He was a handsome one. Poppy. Yeah. <laughs> and she also... Side note, at Princeton, she was a member of the Triangle Club. It was like um, like an improv musical group. And yeah. It was slaying. Like, it looked like fun. She loves to perform, which is just like random. A lot of the times when like a yes. child star happens, you're just kind of like, oh, that's unfortunate. They have been yeah, forced. Like, but she is kind of a goof. Loves she to realizes sing and dance. when she gets to college that she's like, you know, I've been doing this modeling and kind of like this serious acting, but I realize I actually like love comedy. <laughs> like, I'm like a physical comedian. And that's going to come back later in a so, big way. She starts dating Dean Kane. She really does fall in love with him and she loses her virginity to handsome actor Dean Kane. She does have this really crazy experience and she mentions how like it's kind of tied to her experiences on these sets, especially the last movie she did with the toe pulling. She says how she like <laughs> she's totally dissociated. She had this ability to exit her physical body and just like detach from what was happening to her. She loses her virginity and like has a panic attack and runs down the hall butt naked. Yeah. But Dean chases after her hugs her in the duvet and is like i'm not gonna leave you like you're safe oh it's cute and she she says she's like it was the right time right moment right person like it was a it was all good and i was just having a fight or flight response that part really broke my heart i think it was because all the trauma of the sexualization and the situation she'd been put in came out in that moment yeah when she was like i loved this man we were in princeton together like it was all good yeah and then you know what people don't like i feel like they're when you're you know your early 20s like there's a lot of there is pressure to like be sexually active whatever and no one talks about like yeah there are people who like have trauma responses to sex or like things don't Mm -hmm. go smoothly or losing your virginity whatever it is and it's like i love that she was honest about that and um yeah Yeah. i think that's more often than we think or he wasn't famous at that point so anyways he did become famous after that so, so at this point, Holly already kind of mentioned this. Yeah. She goes full Lisa Rinna mode because <laughs> she needs a job. She gets out of Princeton and she's like, all right, you guys, I'm ready for my close up. And, and by the way, she wasn't going to Princeton like to become like a lawyer. She was just like, she did romantic languages in French, which I think is sick, but it was more just for the education. Like she wanted to continue her acting and her modeling yeah, career. She always intended to get back to yeah, acting and modeling. Because I think in a big way it was about supporting the mom. Yeah. That's all she knew how to do. And she was like, I yeah. got to get back. She's like, I did my college and now I need to go back to support my mom. Well, yeah, I think mom. she mentions that her mom was like, you need to do a movie. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> mean, the mom pushed The her. mom was yeah. down. Yeah. So she 
can't like no one's booking her yeah so instead she starts hawking products yeah and like some of the commercials they showed were just making me laugh like the brook shields hair dryer like she mm-hmm. went full hsn lisa rinna mode and no shame about it at all like she's literally like yeah so then i did this and she then did, i like, went to... she did like workout tapes yeah she's the original big in japan when you go to japan and oh yeah <laughs> they showed all these like she went to japan and did like shampoo commercials and like drink commercials <laughs> and like all kinds of stuff and she was happy to do it like that's the thing like she's not like bitter about any of her experiences she is the perfect kind of celebrity because she Mm -hmm. has no and i mean this in a good way it's like she doesn't have a huge ego she -hmm. doesn't really have any shame about it like she's like whatever i'll do this lettuce commercial you guys they played this commercial for foxy (laughs) lettuce where she's standing in a field of lettuce she takes a bite of a piece of lettuce and she says mmm satisfying (laughs) is it (laughs) Why did I know you were going to write that down? <laughs> like, is it satisfying, Brooke? I don't know about that. But no. um, she also, I wrote this down and I found this super fascinating too. And this is what happens. And I think a lot of people don't realize this kind of happened to Marilyn Monroe as well. Is like when you become so iconic, when you surpass regular fame and your image becomes a logo of a certain era, it's impossible to escape that moment in time like her identity was frozen in the year 1980 like she in the way that you see an old pepsi logo and you immediately recognize that it's outdated people thought she was outdated people were like brooke shields is a relic of 1980 and for her that meant people didn't think much of her in terms of you were like a sexy child actress and model and not like a educated amazing woman yeah no one cared that she went to school no one thought she was like this great actress or cared that she had these big movies in the past they were just like whatever you're over i actually wrote i'm surprised that around this time she didn't do playboy i feel like a lot of those kind of celebs did playboy i know well maybe she did maybe it wasn't in the doc i don't think she did but she never she didn't go back to like leaning into like being overtly sexual she was just trying to make it as an actress at that point yeah totally yeah you're right yeah i just thought you know like that i feel like at that time that was like the natural next step but anyways the mom's alcoholism by the way has just has not died down at this point it's only ramped up and her mom has only her mom's mental state has only gotten worse so she thinks her mom has probably had a couple minor strokes at this point and they just don't really know and so things are really declining for her mom she also at this point gets into a really disturbing me too story um yeah it's dark she goes she thinks she's going to a meeting with a big hollywood name she won't say she doesn't say who it is which is fine uh, he takes her back to a hotel. You guys know the story. Is it's it awful. fine though? No, it's not <laughs> fine. No, no, no. <laughs> You're like, it doesn't matter who he is. Whatever. You could be my my my, my uncle. I don't give a fuck. No. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, she doesn't say. I mean, if she wants to maintain his privacy, that's up to her. She does not disclose who it was. But anyways. no, it's but it's or uh, so. I don't know how we're gonna like get into this next part. So this is kind of where part one ends, right? Yeah, this is where part one ends, and then part two starts with her big '90s relationship. Okay, so I'm gonna kind of jump in here. So you kind of finish part one and you're like, well, that's all good and well, but like, what's the point of all this? The point is that like, she has these brilliant psychological reads and perspective on pretty much everyone from like alcoholics, narcissists, men, society. She's very well adjusted. And so she can speak about her Me Too experience with almost like a detached, like sociological perspective on it. And she really does a good job of reclaiming her own power like she and she talks about how she wrote him a letter being like you will not like break me and i am better than you 
I know. It was really, I mean, I mean, it was super jarring just to hear her talk about how, like, in the moment she weighed her options, like, do I turn around and run out of the room and be further, like, so she just, and she said that from her childhood and all the acting, she was really good at dissociating, so she just disassociated throughout the, um, the assault, and one thing, like, I just found her to be so truthful, even in ways that make me and probably the viewer uncomfortable, she was like, Later, when I was trying to rationalize it in my mind, I was like, oh, maybe it's cool that that happened. Which I'm like, so, because she's really dealing with, like, how, like, sex sex and society mesh. And, yeah, yeah, anyways, the fact that she admitted that, like, that was part of her rationalization is pretty, pretty amazing. Yeah, but it is so, like, there is something so powerful in the way that she talks about it. And the way this whole Mm -hmm. documentary touches on larger societal and cultural issues. Like, the whole documentary paints such an interesting picture of the tension girls women sex sex, power hold in our culture um so around this time um it's the 90s by now she's kind of gaining some like you know some her fame again she's back in the culture back taking care of her you know alcoholic uh handful of a mother and at this point she's a bit lost in life she's gone through this assault she's and you know she really thought she was going to this this meeting to get a role in a movie and she that's what she had wanted she was doing commercials she wanted to get in a movie again and you know that's not what it turned out to be in walks mr open himself andre agassi for those of you who don't know pause go do a little wikipedia search he's one of the best tennis players of all time and that doesn't negate that he's kind of a can be kind of a asshole as we're gonna talk about yeah but the relationship starts i say this because it made me laugh (laughs) yeah their relationship starts through fax machine they start faxing each other notes wait so how did it do you they met at like an award show i think so yeah yeah Yeah, now i'm i'm blanking on how they actually met but she says that originally the correspondence started via fax machine and they could relate to each other because he grew up he was like a tennis prodigy from the time he was a little kid and he was really driven by his father and she of course was this child actress who was really driven by a controlling mother so they did relate to each other in that way of they had these singular goals and she also i found this interesting she talked about like how he like oh my god and he's won all these insane tennis matches and all the the majors you know and she said but when you're like when you reach that level it's all relative and like it just stops meaning as much yeah and that is so interesting and definitely so true for these famous people like it's true we're gonna just talk, stop caring we're gonna talk more about that later when we talk more about their relationship but like, yeah what's it's another true trophy yeah like there's no pressure at that you point. do lose a bit of perspective on like reality and who knows that could happen to any of us by the way if you do want to pause here or listen to another podcast the only people who i think are funnier than us there's this podcast called celebrity book club with Stephen and Lily and they have an episode on Andre Agassi's book open and it's like just hysterical so he's his whole own other character but at this point he meets Brooke Shields and he quickly absorbs her into his life and his inner circle they get married very quickly I believe I like within a year and yeah they have this fairy tale wedding oh my god did you see her look at the wedding like I thought it was pretty yeah jaw like my jaw was on yeah. the floor I'm like she looks gorgeous wow and you know what I have in my notes here it's yeah. so it's just like this has always fascinated me it, I don't know when the switch happened but in the 80s her and every other woman in America had giant hair yeah and then when they cut to the 90s 
Her hair slick. Is, is slick and thin. It's like, <laughs> what shifted? Something shifted, and it's like, not and just we're, the still dryer, we're, we're still shifting every few shifting. months. Okay, uh, so yeah. they they meet, they fall in love very quickly, and I mean, he's pretty hot at the time. Like she is too. Like you get the attraction between them, but she does say like she gets swept up into his circle so quickly that it's like. She yeah. saw this as the only way to get out from under her mom's thumb. Like, she only knew control, and he's very and I, controlling. Yeah, and they mention, like, leaving the wedding, they get on a jet, and, like, it's only his friends. Like, she no longer has a single friend <gasps> or oh person God. in her life yes. that isn't his inner circle. So I didn't write this down, but I'm going to do, like, a sidebar now. The big character in this documentary is her childhood and, like, lifelong friend, Gavin DeBecker. Oh, yeah. Did you, like, clock him? Wasn't he the security? Yeah, head of her security? but he—I've known about him my whole life. He was a big expert on Oprah. He dated Gina Davis. Like he has been ever—he's no a—he's an expert. He wrote this book that literally I think has had such a profound impact on my life. It's called *The Gift of Fear*. Have you heard of it? No. It, it was always on Oprah in like the early two thousands. You guys, and Holly has the best book recommendations. So I know. Write I'm that all about down. self-help, but like *The Gift of Fear*, you don't even need to read the book if you're a woman or just a person who you know is in the world. Just absorb the concept of this book i swear it's gotten me out of so many situations so he he was brooke shield's good friend and then he did her security detail but he's done if you look him up he's done security detail for every major person and the idea of this book the gift of fear is that if you have a gut instinct about a person that you're around something dangerous red flag you don't need to say anything but you need to act on it and remove yourself from that person and situation so i even use this when i'm walking around the streets of this damn city toronto gotham city yep you see a look in someone's eyes and you just you walk faster or you, you turn around you go the other way yeah you never you know women can't fall into the trap of being overtly nice and being too trying uh, to make them comfortable yes that, which you know. is i think this was like a big theme like when he was writing this but if you look more into the gift of fear it's really beautiful just philosophy i mean it's not beautiful because unfortunately it's the way of the world it's necessary yeah, yeah. but I I can think of a situation in my life where I I had it and it got me out of something that I think could have been terrible. So I'm so then seeing him pop up in the documentary, I was like, wow, that's amazing. And so he was saying he was one of the only people at her wedding and he went to go say bye to her on the jet as she was leaving and he just she got on with all of Andre Agassi's crew and she was he was like I felt like that was like the last I was seeing of her. Yeah. Yeah. So he grows increasingly controlling. Also around this point, her relationship with her mother starts to disintegrate her mom's bad off and obviously her mom you know wasn't happy about losing control over brooke Mm -hmm. when brooke got married to andre and they say and this is like it's interesting how your relationships oftentimes or people's relationships mirror the relationships they have or the relationships that they've witnessed whether it's parental or communal whatever it is because it's like in a way she replaced one controlling parent with another like she replaced yes the control that her mom had with and she's with so aware that she's like i knew the only way to get out from under my mother was to get in with something like this to get under fully him. knowing not that she was giving away her agency but he was more powerful than her and her mother was i don't think people can really understand like are you tennis head i know you go to yeah some well things. trevor's a huge tennis head yeah you've been to some opens yeah. but like andre agassi was like massive massive like he'd be like i can't even compare him to a like lebron james like i don't know or like like, like, like a um, celebrity novak Djokovic, like or yes rafael nadal like biggest in the game but he was also like in the culture as like yeah. a hot more shit of a celebrity. celebrity more of a hollywood celebrity yeah so at this time this is just a quick sidebar but like his crew of like people his team 
apparently her and her mom had this apartment building in like downtown LA with like four stories of just all her archives, all of her old like movies and like photos and everything. That's where her mom would go every day. At one point, Andre Agassi and his team helped, well, I don't know, she has mixed feelings looking back at it. They removed overnight everything from this building and relocated it to Las Vegas where they were living. Um, that's actually, if you listen to the other podcast, he loved to live in Las Vegas for whatever reason. So that's where she went with him. And she was like, that shattered my mom. And looking back, she has mixed emotions. Like it needed to happen, but it also crushed her mom. Yeah. Her mom showed up the next day. They didn't tell her mom they were doing this, obviously. And her mom showed up to like, quote unquote, work. Her mom showed up to the office and everything was gone. And Brooke talks about how she just imagines that moment of her mom sitting there in the silence and like yeah. it must have just shattered her mom. And yeah, it's like, it is so hard. And this, you know, this happens with so many people. It's like, oh, it's <laughs> tough maintaining, you know. And But like we said, there's like a happy ending. Like until the day her mom dies, she maintains a relationship with her and it never, she never lets it go all the way sour, which I admire so much so considering true. the issues it's, You know what? Have. It's too easy to let it go all the way sour. It's yeah. the, the harder thing to do is to like fight through it. Yeah. Which she does. So like we said, Andre Agassi, he's getting super controlling throughout this period. And she's kind of going wifey mode. Yeah. Like she's, for those first, for that first while, she's into it. She's probably like B-list actress, like C-list at this mm-hmm. point And like everyone knows who she is, but it's not like she's like Nicole Kidman. And he does she says that he does kind of suggest you know if you want your career back like you, you start at the bottom start doing more commercials to see let's see if we can get you a show but it's that weird thing and you know we hear these stories all the time with these boyfriends partners it's like no not just men partners in general where it's like they want you to do it but they also don't want you to do it it's like he's pushing her yeah, but like, then he's super controlling i mean we just saw like taylor swift and joe alwyn broke break up and it's like men can handle your shine, but maybe only so much yeah. in certain cases. We I didn't think, even talk about that in our... I think Joe Alwyn, I think it was hard to see her just... Yeah, we didn't uh, even talk about that in our hot topics. Because, you know, we don't know anything about them. So what is there really to say? Yeah. Who, there's so many, like, theories. Like, is oh it a fake God. relationship? Yeah? Sorry, I just have the best note here. <laughs> so, okay. Can best, I best, best. Couple, can I yeah. say a couple things really quickly? She starts doing... I want to tell the friend story, though. Oh, that was oh, my... Oh, I know. No, you okay. do it. Okay, let me tell this then. Yeah, yeah. She starts doing... Broadway, which actually ends up being the perfect pivot for her. Yes. She does Greece. She does Chicago. And the clips that they show, she is so believable. Like, she's so good. It's she not even alive. Like, you guys, we see these all the time with these celebrities do Pam, Broadway. Pam Anderson, yeah, Pam or Chicago. Erica Jane. And it's yeah. like, you know, they're good, but they're kind of just playing themselves, especially with Chicago. Part of the shtick of Chicago is that they have a celebrity in a role. And it's yeah. like, you know, that's part of the fun. And they're not really acting. They're kind of hamming it up. But Brooke was giving. Like, yeah. Brooke is in character. She looks great. She's dancing. She's singing. And crossover, the same choreographer from the Pam documentary appears <laughs> in this documentary, and he's talking about it. There's only so many choreographers in Hollywood. Choreo- choreographing Chicago on Broadway. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to – I wanted to mention that quickly. So that – so she starts doing Broadway and she starts coming alive like in comedy. No one really thought that was something she yes, could do. Yes, that's the other thing. On stage, she really leans into her comedy bone. Yeah, and she's like quite like a ham. She's funny. So that's going to be like a theme throughout the 90s. But this is the best story. I'm sure we were both waiting to tell it. And this is when the documentary part two really came alive for me. So yeah, clap if you heard of the show Friends. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Okay. Even though my partner, he's never seen the episode. Like we've all seen the episodes. Yeah. You watch Friends? Yeah, I'm not. I'm not like I haven't seen every yeah. episode. I'm not a Friends head. Trevor has rewatched it like three times, but I, you know, I've seen Friends. I've seen most of the episodes. NBC Thursday in the '90s. Yeah, it's like what we got. Friends. We got Seinfeld. Yeah. Then it led into. I mean, it's a legacy. Friends is amazing, in my opinion. I mean, it's 
there's issues with it now. Look, we're not going to get into the politics of Friends, but it's a hilarious show. So she's kind of gaining notoriety again, and she gets this guest role on Friends. And if you know, like, the guest roles on Friends are pretty iconic. Like, you've got Brad Pitt, Reese Witherspoon. Like, really big people would come in and do these. So this was a big break for her. She gets this role as Joey Tribbiani's crazy ex-girlfriend. And she's so excited. Like, she's like, people are finally seeing my comedy. I'm on the biggest show. It's the height of Friends, okay? And Andre Agassi, he's, you know, he's like her, he's like the new stage mom with her. Like, even though he's busy as hell with the tennis, he's making time to be at all of Brooke's freaking engagements. So, and who doesn't want to go to the Friends in the 90s? Clap. I'd be clapping to go to the Friends in <laughs> yeah. the 90s. So, they do, she does her set on Friends and she tells this crazy story. They're playing the clips. And honestly, the documentary is so good here. She's like doing this crazy ex-girlfriend role where she does a big laugh and she throws her head back and like, She's acting crazy, and then she stops doing it. The director tells her to stop. Then Andre tells her to add it back in. And correct me if I'm wrong, what happens? Somebody, I think the director told her, you're too over the top. It's too crazy. And her argument is like, I'm too pretty. Like, the character is just going to read as pretty. She needs, to make it believable, she needs to be over the top crazy. She does it. She does the first take in front of the live studio audience. She doesn't do the crazy part. The audience doesn't really eat it up. (laughs) So from the side, the director yells, put it back in. In. And, so but then does. what does Andre either tells well, her to... so this is yeah. what happens. Yeah. The next part of the scene, the whole, the whole, I mean, there's a bunch of gags, <laughs> but she's saying to Joey something along the lines of like, and your hands are so cute. Yeah. I could just eat them up. And, yeah. And then she starts like physically licking his, his hands. hands. It's like part of the joke though of like, and your hands, I could just eat your hands. So she starts like physically licking his hands. And it's not even, I mean, I wouldn't say it's exactly sexual. Like it's pretty, you know, over the top. But either he told her. So then she gets off stage. Okay. So he's just mad she did that. Not like he gave her a note and she didn't listen. Because he's giving her notes. Like I think he was telling her, be more funny. Do the head throwing back thing. Like. Yeah. Yeah. So she does that. But then she does the hand licking thing. And it was in, the hand licking thing was in the script. script. And he had read the script. She gets backstage and he yeah i'll jump in he has like a bitch fit to be honest like he goes insane and he's like you're you embarrassed me like you humiliated me you you know licking his hands i know okay i was okay that's good you i'm acting (laughs) so that night she goes we get home he smashes the wimbledon trophy he smashes the french open trophy he smashes all of his trophies and he just goes, like, insane. And I think at that point, like, she is literally so well-adjusted that she can just, like, tell. She's like, this is just not it. And she's like, I can get through this, but, like, he won't. We were going to be breaking up. The way, like, if that happened to me, I would be, I would spend 20 minutes talking about it in detail. <laughs> but she is so amazing and strong that she's like, yeah, he went crazy. And I was like, yeah, time to leave him. Yeah, I have to say, that story was riveting. And I'm like, thank you for giving us the tea, Mama. First of all, I'm like, why is she telling this long story about her friend's guest spot? I'm like, it's not that big of a deal. Come on, where are we going with this? And I just want to say shout out for spilling the tea, like, on a man who is still alive and quite revered. Because a lot of women, you know, she the other director, she didn't say his name, but, like, this was her husband. And so... She could understandably not tell this story. So, okay, they, they do break up, like you know, few years after that. But like I said, I just feel like she has the best psychological reads on just like everybody. She was just reading him to filth where I'm just like, she wasn't like really trashing him, but she was just like, this is why he did it. And like, he couldn't handle this and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, going from literally being Michael Jackson's childhood best friend, child prostitute in movies, she could have turned out like Britney Spears or 
Like Kathy Hilton, for that matter, with the Michael Jackson of it all. Oh, totally. How I mean, is she? Where does this perspective come from? I don't know. It's just she could have turned out like every child star who has like been in jail, been in rehab, like had a drug problem. Understandably so. Yeah, and but she just didn't. She always seemed to have this third eye about her, where she just could see the bigger picture. So I'm gonna keep going with. So her and Agassi, they have this crazy fright fight over the Friends guest spot. But guess what? The Friends guest spot was a huge hit. People are like, "Oh my God, she's hilarious. We love Brooke Shields. She's a star." And guess what? Revenge is a dish best served cold. She ends up getting a her own NBC Thursday night sitcom. Yay! Oh my god, it's called Suddenly Susan. You guys, I'd never seen this show. Had you heard of it? I'd heard of it. Yeah. But when they were showing clips of it, I was like, I just know this show would hit at 2 a.m. Yeah. Like, if I stumbled upon this at 2 a.m. In the right headspace. It, it has that vibe. It gives me that buzz. Like, it just screams 1998. Yeah, and it just shows, possible. like, Andre Agassi, you're such a bitch boy, as uh, our favorite uh, Jen Aiden would say to That's Joe Garga. Hey, he's a bitch boy. <laughs> he's a little dork. So she Whose gets, husband is that? She gets this show. She's obviously Susan. The looks were sickening, by the way. I'm like, Bella Hadid blueprint with these looks on the Suddenly Susan show, where she's like totally. a New York business gal. And the show is a hit, but every episode ends up being the same, because in every episode, she like falls over, gets hit in the head. Like, it's it's physical comedy, which she enjoys, but it's just physical I comedy. I have this written down, too. I'm like, the show... it. Could have been good, but it ended up being canceled because all that it was about was her being a klutz, her falling and tripping too much, and it ended up, it ended up getting canceled after two seasons. It fell flat. But she said this was, like, one of the best creative experiences of her life. Like, she felt fulfilled, she felt um, understood, and she ended up divorcing Agassi around this time, and she's yeah. like, I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Yeah, she was loving it. Yeah. And, like, people were loving it, too. People loved seeing her in a different so, way. So, and then she starts getting some comedy gigs. And I'm going to keep going here because there is a pot of gold at the end of this rainbow of, you know, all the, the mom and then the Agassi. And now she's on her own. Guess what? She's hosting some award show. And she meets a hunky comedy writer. And he sees the real her. I think his name's Chris. He gets his name tattooed on his arm. Gets her name, sorry. Tattooed yeah. On and, like, oh, my God. Who among us doesn't want a hunky comedy writer? And this is what she said about him. She's like... He was just everything. He wasn't phased by my mother. He wasn't phased by my father. He even helped bring her parents back together. So shout out to Chris uh, Henshi. Yeah, like, she showed this home video where she's filming her parents and she's like, hug each other just so I can have just so I can have yeah. this fantasy for a moment. And it was so sweet. It's like, you know, you can choose love with, with even the toughest familial relationships. Thank you, Tristan. <laughs> You're welcome. But it was just like nice. It was like, wow, she actually just found like the perfect match. And they are still together. So don't worry. We're not going to be like, and then they... No, and around this time, sorry, I'm just going to jump in. Yeah, do you want to jump into the PPD of it all? Well, okay. Well, well, yes. She gets pregnant around this time. I did just want to comment. She does a Vogue cover, and she looks gorgeous. It's such a good pregnancy cover. Do you know what I'm talking about, where she's wet? Yeah, I was, like, gagged for her pregnant. Literally every photo, and then I'm like, could she be even more beautiful with her pregnancy shoots? And she even says, she she says this interesting thing, which I think, you know, I am am not someone with a uterus, so I can't relate. But she talks about how she's like, for the first time in my life, I felt in control of my own sexuality. Yeah. Like, for all of those times that people made me sexy, this was, being pregnant was the first time where I actually felt sexy and felt in control of my Because she said, I was so disassociated from my body and myself that having, like, a new life in me was like, I could actually see the beauty in my life. It was really Uh, profound the way she put it. It was so profound. She looked gorgeous. But then, she gives birth to her daughter. But wait, wait, wait. So... By the way, she says it was her lifelong dream to be a mother. Um, she loved babies. She loved babies her whole life. And 
she all she knew was she wanted to be a mother and it was a miracle she gave birth she had many miscarriages with chris and oh, yeah she had yeah. tons of yeah yeah she had a really difficult time getting pregnant through the IVF process and so when she gives birth she almost dies and it's quite a traumatic birth you guys this was also so just so heavy because she's showing the home video of him filming her in the hospital and they're like haha like I've been in labor but now we're gonna do a c-section I can't wait to meet ya and it's gonna be great and then of course it turns into an emergency situation like at first she's chilling in this home video and the next thing you know the doctors are like you are maybe gonna die right now yeah it was jarring it was really traumatic but so what happens after that she successfully you know she gives birth to a healthy daughter named rowan things are great but she gets home and she's not feeling right she starts taking long showers she can't even hold her baby she doesn't want to see her baby she does not feel that she loves this baby and she starts having really violent thoughts about the baby she talks so openly about this holly and i both were like wow (laughs) i i mean because her daughter's gonna see this it's like i i have some good for her but it's the early 2000s you know when um people are really just sharing everything on oprah (laughs) yes and this all plays out on the oprah winfrey show as it should um yeah so it's like heavy you say what you were gonna say well okay so she says as soon as the baby's born she immediately dissociates from being a mother which she said you know enough, what? never mind the physical trauma <laughs> look I, I i can't relate but i i have heard stories like this she has extremely dark thoughts and i'm gonna say she was very candid about what those oh dark she was thoughts going were. into detail like i don't even want to repeat them because i don't feel I like a, i, I feel can repeat them but that. watch the documentary if you want to hear what she, she thought about her baby when it was oh born. my god okay so yikes she immediately felt this is really interesting she's like i felt the baby didn't need me would be better off without me she's like i just we got home from the hospital i handed it to chris and i just thought that baby just doesn't need me around it was quite removed the way she said it too so she speaks a lot about her postpartum depression and she writes a book about it called yeah so she yeah throughout all of this no one will believe her they're like you just have the baby blues she's like no something's wrong she of course discovers or is diagnosed with postpartum depression she goes on medication and you know seeks seeks ment- seeks help for her mental health issues and is medicated and i so, this, this comes up later i'm not saying that to shame her the book she writes is called with a very eerie like twilight-esque cover it's called down came the rain all i gotta say is woof look i'm glad my mom didn't write it <laughs> <laughs> look and she down even, came the rain it did she even takes her postpartum depression activism to the supreme court once again i'm really glad my mom didn't take that to the supreme court she goes on Oprah and talks openly. But this is a really powerful moment because at this time, like, no one was talking about postpartum depression. And women all around the world experience postpartum depression. So especially her, for so many girls had looked up to her. But women of her generation really admired her. So for her to come out and be candid about this was, was really powerful at that moment. Yes. And she goes, okay, I mean, it turns out that her unbelievable mommy issues that we've been talking about all throughout this... Uh, they might have contributed to the postpartum depression. Wow, crazy that that might have actually related to it. So she says, so her mom dies pretty soon after this. Yeah, and her mom has dementia. Yeah. And she loses her mom, unfortunately. But, but she, she never was there gave for up. Her mom yeah. The whole time. yeah, yeah. She's always around her mom throughout this. And she says, my flying was what terrified her most. And then she was gone. And almost like that was like a awakening for her. She had to fly. Yeah. Yeah. And she talked about how she always believed that she could never live without her mom. She used to say that, like, I would be, I would die if if my mom died. 
And then she just has this moment of, you know what, in a way, I did die. Like the person that I was with my mom around did die. And now I am, I am myself on my own two feet. It was just like this really powerful, the way she framed it yeah. was really powerful. She's so well She's spoken. so profound. <laughs> Okay, so then we're getting into, so now she's got her two daughters and they're growing up. Yeah, so then it kind of skips forward more to like, we're getting closer to present day and I'm not clairvoyant, but just casually browsing her social media and the daughters, I think maybe there's a chance she passed down the mommy issues. I don't know. I mean, her daughters did seem very well adjusted and her oldest daughter does want to get into modeling, which Brooke at first is like, (laughs) no way. But then she's like, you know what? You can do it, girl. And I was kind of like, Brooke, but... I wrote here because her daughters mention euphoria. Like, this is where she has this really interesting conversation with her daughters about, like, the sexualization of young women. And she mentions social media. And she's like, you guys post pictures of, you know, sexy photos on social media. And it's like, you know, it's a minefield. It's really tough because Brooke was 11 and Brooke was being exploited by grown adults. And her daughters are over 18 and posting photos using their own agency. I don't know if they're over 18 yet. I don't know. Maybe. Oh, maybe. Okay, I wrote this down because I thought you would like this. Her daughters. So, okay. So, the movie ends with this kind of dinner table conversation between her two teenage daughters and her husband and her about feminist issues. And at one point, her daughters call. They're like, yeah, lipstick jungle. Lip, lipstick jungle. It's like the gossip girl for adults. And <laughs> was on lipstick jungle. Does anyone remember that show? You're right. I should say. I, I think don't they're know. talking about the website. No, she was on a show called Lipstick oh, Jungle. It only oh, lasted yes, like yes. one or two seasons. Oh, okay. They, you're were, right, they were right. saying, they're like, weren't you that on the flop gossip show girl yeah, for parents? For adults. Yeah. And then the daughter goes, Yeah, I've seen the pretty baby edits on TikTok and it's like barf and she makes like a barfing face. So I'm like, I haven't even seen those, but I'm like, imagine you're getting those like edits of, of your, your mom. mom in the child prostitute oh, movie. I know. Okay, you guys, you're right. I think her daughters may still be underage, so I take that back. But anyway. Okay, so for me, I thought the movie ended in a really perfect way. So they have kind of this like heated feminist dinner table conversation with her daughters and she's talking about them posting like thirst traps on the gram and like how she did nude scenes at 10. And her hot comedy writer husband, who's, like, aging like foin moin, he's like, I'm just listening and learning. And, like, then the girls just start doing her characters, and they, they work it all out. But she's saying that, like, while she grew up having absolutely no agency, her daughters are, I mean, you can see, they're very sassy, and they have all the agency of, like, an NYC Nepo prep school baby. Like, yeah. they are, like, Her daughters are in bitches. control. Yeah. yeah, they are at the wheel of their mm-hmm. own destiny. I just wanted to jump in here and say her and Drew Barrymore, who participates in the documentary, she, they have this, like, Drew has this great moment where she says that, like, now that her and Brooke have made it to the other side of child stardom, they are in control of their own destinies in a way that they never were then, which just moved me. Yeah, I love hearing those two talk, and I'm glad they have each other. Now that she is, you know, older, she says, like, what she does now is, like, helps, like, women who are over 40 pivot quotation marks which is just like oh could i love her anymore i know she's so mother she just keeps it pushing so then the documentary kind of ends with like a greater narrative um it's directed by lana wilson by the way who's a great director but it says with like things haven't really changed all that much with women having to sexualize themselves and um live up to these really unattainable standards and it shows ig photos from like madison beer sydney sweeney addison ray and it, and it still shows, says, who's yeah. the girl that Justin Bieber was in Miami with? Chantal Jeffries. Yeah. She makes a cameo appearance. Oh my, yeah. It's showing all the, like, the <laughs> it girls of Instagram. All the queens. And it's just saying, like, we still have to live up to these unattainable standards, it's which so is true. just so true. And it shows all these TikToks, and it's like... Yes, it shows... Do you know the girl on TikTok, Bryn, who does, like, the... 
she's got these big tits and she does like an arm movement and then she reveals her makeup look and it shows her i'm like oh my god that's a girl it's so yeah. true and it's funny because you don't see it in the moment like it's like no. it's only when it's shown to you and you're like oh my in god progression yeah. like that like it's like no this is what like young women have to live up to yeah yeah and i can't imagine being 16 with tiktok no and i i found that she really told it like it is a lot regarding women and sex in society even if we don't always want to hear it like even the part when she was talking about her assault and saying like i had to rationalize it in all these weird ways in my mind just to get through it she is so honest throughout the documentary and talks about and it there's so many moments where i'm like yeah i like no one ever says these things but yeah it's like yeah anyways so like Come on, is she your mother now? Like she is so mother. She's mother. I will. She. I. I am <laughs> stamping my stand card for Brooke Shields. As if I couldn't love her any any more. At the end of it, she does like the Catholic prayer sign and is like, "Praise <sighs> God." And I'm like, my Catholic girly. Throughout all this, you didn't even mention it, but we just know you're Catholic. She just gets yeah. it. Okay, not to be like, whatever. Um, I was gonna ask my final question: Who is the Brooke Shields of today? Do you think? Oh, that's a good is question. It Bella, is Bella Hadid oh, her tether? I did say Bella Hadid like earlier. in this moment. Because it's some... Bella Hadid. I mean, it's not like at the time, like when she was young and sexual, that like she was using her voice to speak out about issues. Yeah. It's more like an after the fact thing. So I don't know. Yeah, but it's like who... I, yeah, who has that public... I don't know. Maybe no one has that level or of public Or it's so oversaturated. Now. There's so There's many too many people to obsess over. Like she, they showed up. them all. And that makes it harder for women too, because you feel like you can't keep up it's like everybody is just so much sexier than me yeah well i guess that's that i figured all here but guys this is a great documentary if you have mommy issues if you're interested in child pornography (laughs) no no like if you're like against it and you're interested in like how the society allowed that to happen so much (laughs) yeah i i thought it was great i thought it was a really good documentary love that it was a two-parter um just thought it was really honest and touched on yeah it was an interesting way to to touch on a lot of important issues and yes you know and like going into it i don't think either of us expected no this is what it would be no i just want to know where she got that kind of amazing perspective on life with having no role models no reason to be smart or understand anything yeah yeah Yeah. because we look at our other child stars and this is not the story of them no no No. so yeah anyways we love you guys we'll be back next week we love you guys um yeah stay tuned for more and um thank you if you made it this far i'm sure you did okay best 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 bye 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 Say I'm too young to love you I don't know what I need They think I don't understand The freedom land of the 70s Guitar
just can't help myself.